Let's pray and we'll ask God for his help. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we pray now that as we look at your word that you'll give us minds able to understand what it says and hearts ready and willing to obey you and to put into practice what it says in our own lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a famous song by the band Radiohead. It's called Creep. And in, in the song, the uh, singer is infatuated with a girl. He sings, you're just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry. You, you float like a feather in a beautiful world. You're so very special. But the thing is, the singer, he feels very negatively about himself. He thinks of himself as what he calls a weirdo, a creep, someone who's strange or weird, the sort of person that a girl, like the one he's infatuated with, would never have anything to do with. So he sings, you're so very special, but I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. What am I doing here? I don't belong here. Now, I think I may finally have grown out of that teenage angst of feeling like a creep around girls myself, but, but still I know the feeling. That feeling of, I'm a weirdo. I don't belong here. I sometimes get this feeling as a Christian. My wife, Cumberland, and I, at the moment, we're uh, watching a show on uh, a series on Netflix. It's about a barrister. He's an atheist, and he's a, he's a terrible bloke, really. He's a gambler and a drunk and a womanizer. But somehow in the show, he still manages to be a very winsome, likable character. Anyway, this barrister has a son. The son is also very flawed, but his dad handles him in the stupid things that he does, handles him very well with a lovely empathy. Uh, but at the point we're up to in the series now, the son has become an evangelical Christian. I think that the way the son is portrayed is quite, quite fair, uh, almost sympathetic. The, the, the things that he does are things that a Christian will do. Uh, he wants to say grace at the table. In fact, in one excruciating scene, his girlfriend is there and she insists on singing grace at the table where they all have to hold hands, all these atheists at the table. It's excruciating. Anyway, the, the son, he wants to go to church. He wants to go to fellowship. He, try, he keeps on trying to talk to his parents about Jesus. His parents, they love him and they really want to support him. But the thing is... In the show, you see the, this son from the father's perspective. And the fact is, this Christian son, he is cringeworthy. As he spouts all his stuff about Jesus, he does seem like an utter weirdo. As you watch, you can't help but just feel embarrassed for him. I have to say, it's given me a bit of an insight it's helped me to see how my own atheist parents must have felt when I became a Christian, quite similar in many ways. But, but more generally, it's just helped me to see again what you forget when you're in church. It's helped me to see again that looked at from the outside, looked at from the perspective of a non-Christian, Christians are weird. We believe weird things. We do weird things. We don't belong here. The original readers of 1 Peter, they would have felt like weirdos. They'd have felt like they didn't belong. Let me give you a bit of background to help you see how it would have been for some, if not many of them. Uh, back in Turkey in the first century, idol temples played a central role in society. Uh, idol temples were places of religious worship, but they were way more than that. So, for example, idol temples were also the centres of family life. So if you wanted to have a, a birthday party 
or wedding anniversary or something like that, you would have it at the temple, at the idol temple. And so at a family occasion, a birthday party or whatever, you'd go to the temple, you'd all as a family bow down to the idols, have a, a, a feast, meat, eat, meat, meat sacrifice to idols, you'd drink plenty of alcohol and you'd have sex with a temple prostitute as a way of asking the gods for fertility and prosperity for your family. Our family life was very much tied up with the idol temples. Uh, so too was work life. Most jobs involved being part of a guild, something like a trade union. You couldn't be part of the, you, you couldn't work in that area unless you were part of the guild. And the guilds would hold their meetings in idol temples. Again, they'd have their meeting, they'd do their business, and then, and then they'd have a meal together drink plenty of grog, bow down to idols, have sex with the temple prostitutes. It was an ordinary part of life. But what happens if you become a Christian? What happens to your relationship with your family? What happens to your relationships at work? You can't join in with that stuff anymore. And people think you're weird. They think that you don't respect your family. You're putting this Christianity stuff, this Jesus stuff, before the people who have loved you and given you everything. Your workmates. They think you're not a team player anymore. They think that you think you're better than them. Peter is writing to Christians who feel like weirdos. They feel like they don't belong. And in today's passage, he has two things to say to them. Two things to say. The first thing that he says is this. He says, you are a weirdo and you don't belong. So get used to it. In fact, even embrace it. Embrace it. Uh, Peter starts off by talking about the attitude that his readers need to have. Back in chapter 3, verse 18... Peter said, do you remember that Christ suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God? Jesus, when he suffered, when he suffered, he suffered with a goal in mind. It was to deal with sin, to put sin behind us and, and to, to put his people in right relationship with God. And so now, as his readers suffer, Peter wants them to remember Jesus and he wants them to get a similar attitude. He wants them to get the attitude of, Let, let's be done with sin, let's be right with God. He wants them to, to stop following the ways of this world, to stop living for this world and to, to live God's way. And as they suffer and as they remember Jesus, he wants them to steal themselves all the more to live for the Lord Jesus with that same attitude he had. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1. Have a look with me. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human, evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Peter wants his readers to be different, to be changed, to stop living the way they were living for evil human desires, to start living for Jesus. But the fact is, if they're different like that, they will look like weirdos. That they won't belong. And Peter's readers, they're already experiencing it. 
Uh, their, their friends, their families, their workmates, they cannot understand why they don't join in with them in this stuff that they've been doing all along. They, they don't get why they, they, they don't respect their family anymore. They, they don't do what they've always done in work. They don't get it and it makes them angry. It annoys them, verse 3. If you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry, they're surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you. It's tough. Tough for these Christians. Their family, their friends, their workmates. Some of them don't belong anymore. Peter says that the non-Christians who are abusing them will soon stand before God as judge and you would not want to be them on judgment day. Verse 5. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Now, the next thing that Peter says, it's, it's a bit difficult, and I know some Bible studies have been struggling with it during the week. It's a very important verse, though. Let me try to pull it apart for you. Uh, Peter says that the gospel has been preached, that is, the good news about Jesus has been preached, uh, preached to people who are now suffering, uh, even to people who have now died. Now, I don't think that means the gospel is preached to dead people. I think they were alive when they heard the gospel, but they've since died. But the implications of the gospel continue. Uh, so the gospel has been preached and Peter says the gospel was preached for a reason. Uh, the reason the gospel was preached is so that in the spiritual realm, people can live according to God. In other words, the message about Jesus means that you can be in the right with God forever, in eternity. If you rely on Jesus, you are ready for heaven. But the thing is this. In this life... According to human standards, people will judge you. People will condemn you. They will think you are a weirdo. Verse 6. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body. People will judge them to be weird. But live according to God in regard to the spirit. By human standards, they are condemned as weirdos. They don't belong here. But in the spiritual realm, through the gospel of Jesus, they have become exactly who God wants them to be. Okay. Well, that's the first thing that Peter says to his readers. He says, you've got to stop living for evil human desires Stop living the way of the world. Be different. Be changed. Turn from sin. Live for Jesus. It'll make you look weird. You'll feel like you don't belong. But that's why Jesus died for you. So you will believe God's way. So you'll be right with him. And remember the judgment day looms. So you've got to embrace the weirdness. Second thing. Uh, the second thing that Peter says to his readers is this. He says they need to get involved in church. Help each other as Christians. The Christians that, 
they're finding, finding that they don't belong in family and among their friends and their workmates anymore. And so Peter is calling on them now to create a space where they do belong. Four things that Peter says they need to do. First thing is to pray. Pray. Pray in context for themselves. Pray for each other. Ask God to, to help them and to help the other Christians stand firm no matter how hard it is. No matter how, how difficult it is to not belong, Peter says, judgment is coming. You've got to pray. You've got to pray for each other. Verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you can pray. Peter also tells his readers to love each other. The world doesn't love them. Their former friends and family and workmates abuse them, think they're weirdos. And so it's vital then that the Christians love each other. It's vital that they overlook niggly offences so they can be united and so they can seek the best for each other. Verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Pray, love. Almost sounds like a good title for a book, doesn't it? Uh, pray, love. Uh, Peter also wants his writers to, uh, to show hospitality to each other. To, to welcome each other at church, make each other feel at home, uh, even to welcome people into their own homes. Remember, their old friends and family have rejected them. They, they can't go and join in anymore, and so now they need to open up their lives to each other, welcome each other, be a new set of family and friends, give each other a place where they do belong. Verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Prayer, love, hospitality. The fourth thing that Peter wants his readers to do is this. He wants them to serve. To serve each other. To serve in church. Maybe serve in word ministry. That is, teach people the message about Jesus from the Bible. Teach people God's very word. Or maybe they can serve in other ways. Helping to, to make their church a place where they belong. However it is... People wants them to, Peter wants them to get in, to get in and faithfully do their thing, faithfully play their part. Verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received from God to, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Out in the world, Christians will feel like weirdos. But church should be the place where the weirdos feel like they do belong. Where they feel at home. Where they are prayed for where they are loved, where they are welcomed, where they are served, where they can openly be Christians without being scared. It's going to take work to make a community like that. It's going to take everyone playing their role. And so Peter calls on his readers to get in and do their bit. Okay. Can you see what's here then in this passage? Uh, two points. Number one, Peter wants his readers to be different, to stop living the way of this world, turn away from evil human desires, live for Jesus. It will make them look weird. It will mean they don't belong. 
But that's why Jesus died for them. It's what God wants for them. It's his will and, and judgment day is coming. So they need to just embrace the weirdness and get on and do it. And then point number two, Peter wants his readers to invest in church, pray, love, show hospitality, serve, create a space where they do belong, where they can help each other to keep on living for Jesus in the face of an antagonistic world. All right. Well, let's think about applying this passage to ourselves. Uh, two things to think about. Let me ask it to you in two questions. If I'd asked these questions at the beginning, you might have thought they're strange questions. But first question, question number one, are you a weirdo? That's question number one. And then second question, are you helping the other weirdos? Do you get the two questions? Are you a weirdo? Are you helping the other weirdos? Question one, are you a weirdo? In other words, are you different because you're a Christian? Is there a noticeable change about you? Are you noticeably different from the non-Christians around you in the way that you speak, in the way that you act? What about in your family? Some of us have the great blessing of coming from a Christian family where you feel like you do belong as a Christian, where you're encouraged, where you can be open and about who you are. That is something to thank and praise God for. But many of us, many of us come from non-Christian families and it does bring challenges, doesn't it? Maybe, you, maybe for you, you have challenges uh, quite similar to the ones that Peter's readers faced. Uh, maybe you come from a family that worships idols. Uh, you're expected to show up to family events and burn joysticks or bow down to ancestors or eat food sacrificed to idols. Is that your experience? I know it is for many people in our church. It's not easy. It's hard to know quite what to do, isn't it? I mean, you don't want to disrespect your family. You don't, want to think, you don't want them to think that you think you're better than they are. Um, you don't want to put people off the gospel. But on the other hand, you, you don't want to be an idolater either. It does make us feel weird, doesn't it? It does make us feel like we don't belong. And that can be a lonely feeling, can't it? A painful feeling. But friends, we must not just conform. We, we need to stand up and stand out. For Jesus. Maybe for you the pressures are a bit different in your family. Maybe your family keeps insisting on putting birthday parties on a Sunday morning and they get angry when you go to church instead. Or maybe you just find that conversation with your family is awkward. You can't talk about the things that you really want to talk about because they won't accept it. They don't want to hear about Jesus. There are lots of little pressures when your family aren't Christian, aren't there? But friend, here's how it is. If you're from a non-Christian family, you're doomed to be a weirdo. No matter how hard you try, if you stand up and stand out for Jesus, you're never going to belong. They're never going to understand you. They will be embarrassed of you. Like that barrister dad in the show that I'm watching. They'll be annoyed by you. I know that is a real grief. But that's just how it is. So we need to humbly embrace our weirdo status and serve Jesus and be different, even if it means trouble. What about at, uh, at, uh, at school or uni, if that's, 
your life? Are you a weirdo at school or at uni? Do you hang out in the, the Christian group with the other weirdos? Do you, do you speak differently from other people? Do you act differently from other people? Do you, do you find that's uncomfortable? What about at work? Are you a weirdo at work? Do people know you as one of those God-botherers? Do they they know that you're not going to join with them in overindulging at drinks on a Friday? Do do, do they know that they can't ask you to lie or to do something dishonest? Do you keep on hassling them and inviting them to come to church or City Bible Forum or whatever? Are you a weirdo? Do you feel like you don't belong here in this world? Friend, uh, if not... If you feel perfectly at home here in this world, if everybody accepts you and everybody feels like you belong, do you know what? That's actually a worry. Jesus talks about people like that. He says, beware, be careful when everyone speaks well of you. You need to take a long, hard look at yourself. Is it because you are living no differently from the non-Christians around you? Is it because you're conforming to the ways of this world? Can you be genuine about Jesus and have nobody notice? I think this passage says no. If you are genuine about Jesus, people will notice. They will think that you are weird. You will not belong Friend, are you ready to embrace that? That was our first application question. Are you a weirdo? Brings us to our second application question, final question, application question number two. Do you remember what it was? Are you helping the other weirdos? Peter talks about four things we should be doing. Praying, loving each other, showing hospitality and serving. So how are you going at those things? Uh, Are you praying? Are are you praying for yourself? Are you praying for the other members, your your brothers and sisters here at church? Are you serious about prayer? Are are you praying that we'll be able to hold on, that we'll be able to keep trusting Jesus in a world that rejects us? It's hard work, isn't it, to keep praying? Hard work to, to, to wrestle in prayer, as the Bible says. It's hard to be regular. It's hard to keep at it. But friend, you've got to realise this. Here in your church, we are doing it tough. Here in your church, we are struggling with sin. Here in your church, we are struggling with being different. We're struggling to keep on living for Jesus. It's not easy for us in this world, and we need you to pray for us. Will you do it for us, please? What about loving? Loving each other. I guess the starting point is we actually have to be in contact with each other, don't we? It's hard to love from a distance. You need to be at church week by week. You need to be in Bible study week by week. We can't love each other from a distance. We need to be together, of course, once we're together, though, and once we really engage and connect with each other, it's like, you know, the old saying about porcupines dancing. You know, if they dance too far apart, they don't dance very well. But once they get close, they start to really prickle each other. Um, 
it's going to take love, the, the kind of love that will overlook niggly offences. How are you going at that one? Are you showing love to other Christians in your words, in your actions? Uh, there is a world out there that thinks we are weird. They don't love us. They are constantly hoping that we will trip up so they can point the finger. Friend, here in your church, we need you. We need you to love us. Will you do it for us, please? What about hospitality? That third one. Do you welcome people at church? Perhaps even welcome them to your own home. We have great welcoming teams here at our church. Thank you to our welcoming team. You're doing a great job looking out for people. That is really important. But the fact is, it's up to all of us. Because you can get the nicest welcome at the door, walk in, sit down, and have no one talk to you, and you don't feel welcomed. So are you playing your part? Are you looking out for newcomers? Do you look out for people who are by themselves? Do you welcome people? Even to greet people warmly. I'm sure you've had this experience. You walk into church and someone gives you a big smile and says, G'day, welcome, nice to see you. It's heartwarming, isn't it? Do you maybe even forsake sitting in your normal seat where you always sit so that you can sit with a newcomer or someone sitting by themselves? What about at morning tea? Do you just make a beeline for your friends or do you keep an eye out maybe for people who are on their own looking like they don't belong? I hope that you're playing your part in welcoming people at church. Perhaps you go even further though. Do you welcome people into your own home? Uh, we have elders and Bible study leaders in our church who every single week are inviting people into their home, including complete strangers. That, that's, that's great. Good on you. Thank you so much. But again, it's not just for them, this is for you as well. Friend, in this world where we don't belong, we, your church, need you to welcome us. We need you to help us feel like we do belong in your church. Will you do it for us, please? Or what about serving? Are you using the gifts that God has given you here in church with the strength that God provides? So many people serve in our church, and that's fantastic. Thank you very much. Good on you for playing your role. But I do have to say that I'm seeing a bit of a sad trend here in our church. Uh, we are growing numerically, but as we become a bigger church, we are not growing so much in terms of people who serve. Uh, we're struggling to raise up faithful, suitable, gifted people for word ministry, Bible study leaders, leaders of youth and connect kids. And we're struggling to raise up people who will get in and help make our church a welcoming place. Uh, greeters, welcomers, uh, people who help with morning tea. That The list goes on and on. The sad trend is that an increasing proportion of people in our church come, consume and go home. But they stay on the fringes relationally. Look, maybe in your circumstances, that's all you can manage. Of course, you are so welcome to be here. Don't stop coming. Please keep on coming. You're very welcome. But, but friend, if you possibly can, we need you to play your part. 
We need you with the strength that God provides to help us make our church a place of refuge, a place where we can come, be loved and welcomed and and strengthened and encouraged to get back out there and be weirdos for Jesus. We need you to serve. Will you do it for us, please? Pray, love, welcome, serve. Friends, they might seem like strange questions. Are you a weirdo? Are you helping the other weirdos? Actually, very important though, aren't they? We need you. Your church needs you. The world needs you to be different. Will you do it for us, please? Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered on the cross to be done with sin, so that sin is forgiven and so that we can be brought to you, right with you. We thank you so much for our Lord Jesus Christ and we pray that in response to his love that we would stand up and stand out for him, that we would trust Jesus and that we would live boldly as his people in this world. And we pray for ourselves as a church that you would help us to, to love each other, to pray for each other, to welcome each other, to serve each other so that we create a space where we can help each other to keep on trusting Jesus and keep on presenting him boldly to our world. And we pray it in Jesus' name.